I'm Heather, and this is the Living with Addiction podcast, where I show you how you have more power than you realize when it comes to helping yourself and your child that's struggling with addiction. Good morning. I have a quick favor to ask before I start today's podcast. Reviews are really important when it comes to iTunes showing my podcast to potential listeners. And I want to help as many parents as possible. That's why I became a life coach, because I wanted to help other parents who were going through the same thing that I was going through and felt like there was no resources for them. Everything that I found when I was really struggling with things with my daughter was telling me what to do if my daughter wanted to get sober. But I couldn't find anything that told me what to do if my daughter didn't want to get sober. And that's why my message is so important to me, because it's about what you can do no matter what, whether your child is wanting to get sober or not, or you can use this if your child is sober, or you can use it in any area of your life. It's such empowering information, and I want to get it in the hands of as many parents as possible. And you can help me by leaving a review. Leave a review on iTunes. And if you aren't driving, please pause the podcast and leave a review right now so you don't forget. But if you are driving, please make a mental note to leave a review later. It only takes a minute and it would really mean a lot to me. So let's get on with the podcast. Most of the parents that I work with come to me wanting help with how they respond to their child in their addiction. They don't like how they're responding and they want to change it. And I felt the same way with my daughter. I was rarely happy with what I was bringing to the situation. I spent so much time being disappointed in myself for either losing my temper or just freezing up because I was so overwhelmed or just being disappointed in myself for not knowing what to do. I just felt like a failure as a mother. And I got sick of being so overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. I couldn't fix the overwhelm, so I would get exhausted Then I would go through some frustration and depression until I was able to get my energy back. And then I would try to tackle the situation once again, but always taking the same approach. I would make a few little adjustments, but I never really knew what else to try. I wasn't trying anything new, so I was just stuck in this endless painful cycle. And that's what happens when we don't understand our feelings and what they are signaling to us. I didn't know that I was frustrated because I was full of fear and I didn't know how to fix the fear. I didn't even understand my fears. I thought I was fearful because of my daughter's addiction, but really I was full of fear because of how I was thinking about it. I was thinking powerless, scared thoughts that I wasn't even necessarily aware of. A lot of them were subconscious thoughts, which by the way, I've got an explanation for that you're gonna love and I'll share it later. It's really gonna make sense to you and under help you understand why you do this. 
why you get stuck in thought after thought after thought. But fear tells us we think something bad is going to happen, and that's where most people get stuck. I got stuck there too before I understood how to change it. I just kept thinking about all the bad things that could happen, which, as you know, is torturous when it comes to our kids. The things that people get stuck in thought loops about their kids are devastating. And if that continues for days, weeks, and months, it becomes a permanent state of being until we figure out how to change it. We actually program ourselves unintentionally. We unintentionally program ourselves to be in constant fear. And if we don't know how to change it, we're just stuck with it. But today I'm going to tell you exactly what steps to take so you aren't stuck with any emotion. But before that, I want to explain this pattern to you so you can understand it, be aware of it, and see yourself in it. Then you can change it. You have to have awareness in order to make changes. Every negative feeling signals an unmet need. For example, anger means something is unfair to us and we need to make it fair. And fear means something bad is going to happen and you need to feel safe. So that's what those emotions are signaling to us. Anger means you need to make something fair. And fear means you need to feel, make yourself feel safe. Next week, I'm going to do a podcast about working through specific emotions and what they mean, what the signal is, what the unmet need is. But for this week, I just want to explain it at a high level. Since most, most of us don't know what our emotions are telling us, and we just want to get away from them, we aren't meeting the need that they're signaling to us. Eventually, if we go long enough without meeting the need, then we get frustrated. Frustration is a secondary emotion. The frustration is just further evidence that we have an unmet need. Its message isn't about something outside of you. It's about you. That's really important, so I want to repeat it. The frustration isn't coming from outside of you. In fact, every negative emotion you feel can be resolved without anyone else needing to change or do anything different. No one needs to change for you to feel better. You can do it on your own when you understand what your feelings are try to tell, trying to tell you. Frustra frustration tells you that what you are doing isn't working. You need to try something different. You aren't meeting the need that frustration is signaling to you. If you don't meet the need that frustration is telling you you need to meet, then you end up depressed. That's the third emotion. So you have your initial, um, you know, unwanted, I don't, I hate to use the word negative, but your initial negative unwanted emotion, and then you you don't meet what that need is signaling to you. And then you have your secondary emotion, which is frustration. 
And then, and that's telling you, hey, you haven't met this need. We're adding frustration. And then when you don't hear frustration signal, then you get the third emotion added, which is depression. And depression's like, all right, nothing you're doing is working. You need to take a break. You retreat into depression to rest and gain energy. And if you don't get stuck in depression, you can start over again with the fear and trying to solve for it. But if you don't understand what fear is telling you and you don't meet your need to feel safe about yourself and your child, then you will get stuck in that cycle of fear, frustration, depression, and emotional pain. But understanding what your emotions are telling you and looking inside yourself for resolution rather than trying to control or change people, places, and things for resolution is how you master responding versus reacting. So what I want to share with you today is something I made up to help you master responding versus reacting. It's called the reaction scale. I've developed this idea based on something during something that I learned during my coaching certification. The coaching program I went to included weight loss certification as well. So I work with some clients on weight loss. I just don't advertise it. But one of the weight loss tools we use is called the hunger scale. So picture a horizontal line with marks on it like a ruler. In the middle is zero. On the far left is negative 10. And on the far right is positive 10. Zero represents not being hungry or full. It's the neutral zone. Plus 10 is you've eaten so much that you're stuffed, really uncomfortable, and you just feel sick. Like think about it after Thanksgiving dinner. And negative 10 is starving, stomach growling, feeling weak with hunger. I just picture somebody on that show naked and afraid who hasn't eaten for two weeks or that all they've eaten is like a grasshopper or something. And the key is to live in the negative three to plus three range. You don't get too hungry and you don't get too full. You can control this with not only how much you eat, but what you eat, since what you eat affects the hormones that tell you you're hungry or full. So this scale is a weight loss tool that gives you multiple ways to create awareness and move toward what you want. I took the hunger scale and turned it into a reaction scale and added to it to help you gauge where you are and work towards where you want to be. It's like GPS. You have to be really clear on where you are or you won't know how to get where you want to go. Maybe you don't even know where you're starting or your destination. The reaction scale gives you the awareness of where you are and where you want to go. So picture the same horizontal line I described for the hunger scale. On the reaction scale, that range of zero plus three to negative three is called the constructive zone. This is the GPS destination that you want. 
When you're in the constructive zone, you're solution focused in emotional maturity, using your skills of detachment and boundaries. This is an empowered place to be. This is what you want to strive for as much as possible. The plus 10 and negative 10 sides are both what I call destructive zones, but they're destructive for different reasons. They have a lot of similarities, but the major difference is how the destruction is being expressed. Think of the plus 10 side as explosive, angry outbursts and the negative 10 side is imploding. So the reaction is inward and leads to depression and isolation. Both of these zones are characterized by resistance to the reality of the situation, focusing on the problem, emotional childhood, and an overall sense of powerlessness. I call them destructive zones because they are destructive to your quality of life, relationships, health, and happiness. Life is full of good and bad. We have some leeway for our humanness and all of our emotions are important. The goal here isn't to be perfect. It's just to recognize that we are escalating into our out of control emotions so that we can respond effectively before we get too far in either direction. I made an illustration of the reaction scale that I will post on social media and on the blog page of my website. If you want to look for it on social media and you're not already following me, I'm at Heather Ross Coaching on both Instagram and Facebook. So look on either one of those and follow me while you're at it. If you're not a fan of social media, then go to heatherrosscoaching.com and click on the blog. If you're looking for this, you know, a long time after the podcast came out, then use the blog search function and type reaction scale into it and you'll be able to find it that way. But here's the steps in what I call the reaction scale reset. These steps are how you get to the constructive zone of the reaction scale and program your brain to make this process easy to access in your default. So number one, if you're on the plus four or higher end of the scale, you're in that destructive zone on the right, take a time out for yourself. Create time and space for you to process your emotions. Intentionally separate yourself from the situation that you're reacting to. If it's your child, just stop the conversation and say, we can figure this out or talk about it again in 12 or 24 or however many hours, but set a time. And then go in another room, just get away from the situation. If you're on the negative four or lower side of the scale, you're probably already isolating and alone. So you just need to be intentional, intentional about changing your state of being. Step number two, be conscious of what you're feeling in your body. Tune into your body. Name the emotion. 
think about and feel where you feel it in your body and what it feels like. Take some time here. Just sit with this consciousness and awareness of what's happening in your body. It's just a vibration. Step number three, accept the feeling. Just allow it without judgment or resistance. It's just a vibration in your body and it can, it cannot hurt you. Even if you don't like how it feels, just let go of the resistance. You aren't stuck with it. In fact, the more you open up to it and allow it, the faster it will leave on its own. Number four, express the emotion. You can call a friend and talk about it, write about it, talk to yourself about it, but talk it out. I do this all the time. I have no problem talking out loud to myself. Actually hearing myself say the words is therapeutic to me. Number five, intentionally do something comforting and constructive to actively pull yourself out of the emotion. Take a walk, pet your dog, garden, craft, dance, anything that's constructive and will give you some space from your intense feelings. Sometimes all I have to do is go outside and it changes how I feel. It doesn't always have to be a big process. It just depends on where you are on the reaction scale. And number six, by the time you have done gone through the first five steps, you have greatly reduced the intensity of the emotion that you're feeling. You're out of that sense of overwhelm and powerlessness, and you're back in the driver's seat of your emotions. When your emotions are high, your reasoning capabilities are low. So now that you've de-escalated your emotions, you can reason through them to release them. You do that by questioning and working through all of the pieces of the emotion. So I'll share an example of how I did this recently. When I got diagnosed with breast cancer, I was immediately overwhelmed with a million different emotions. But one that kept rising to the top was financial fear. And I made a social media post and a blog post about it February 9th, if you want to see that. You can see that my what my thought process was at that time. But that's when I realized that some of my financial fears were coming from past experiences with my daughter. I had a lot of problems with my insurance not wanting to cover her care. You know, behavior health care can be very tricky with some insurance policies. Rehab wasn't covered, and I paid cash for a rehab, and they actually stole money from me. And most of my feelings of powerlessness and helplessness about her addiction were all rolled in there, too. That was all happening at that time. So the act of writing that post and untangling that mess helped me with that a piece with that piece of it. But the fear kept coming back up. So one day while I was walking, I addressed it all and came up with solutions. Now, I didn't love all the solutions, but what I discovered by going through each financial fear was that I could literally handle anything that happened. And my main fears, and these are extreme, I'll admit they're extreme, but 
it doesn't matter. You know, I just had to go there and go through the process. My main fears resolved around not being able to work and make money and being buried in medical debt. Now, with my current prognosis and how everything is supposed to go, that should not be a concern. But it was just the fear of something extreme happening. So I'm self-employed, so I don't have short-term or long-term disability or even vacation or sick pay. And I knew that my insurance, my medical insurance, was also going to change in this process. And I didn't even know what kind of coverage I was going to have. So here's what I came up with if, you know, my worst case scenario was that I have major complications and I can't work for a while my business deteriorates because I have to abandon it. I have more medical debt than I can ever pay off. And I go through every bit of savings that I have um, in my savings. And that's my worst case scenario other than if I die during surgery or after from some kind of crazy infection or other complication. But I even have a backup plan for that scenario. It's the same one that I use to help me with my fear of flying, and it just works for me. I focus on what I'm going to do when I get home from my trip, and I keep visualizing myself doing those things that I'm going to do when I get home, and it gives me a sense of safety. I have programmed my brain to believe in this, and I hardly even have any fear of flying anymore. I just do this naturally if any kind of fear does come up. But that's what I'm doing with my surgery. I visualize myself being healed and I have plans for a trip when I'm healed enough to travel without restrictions. But back to my financial fears. My solution for my worst case scenario, financial fears come, you know, if those come true is if I have serious unforeseen complications and can't work for some reason until I can work, I could pay my medical bills or any other bills with credit cards. I have don't keep a credit card balance. And I have a lot of money available to me on credit cards if I need it. I could file bankruptcy for all my medical debt, get a job once I'm well enough to work. And then I could resurrect my business on the side if I had to. Going through my worst case scenario was actually pretty empowering because I know that I can do all of those things if I have to. I can carry that plan out. Do I want to do that? Hell no. <laughs> will, if I, will I do it if I have to, though? Yes, I will, and I can. I know that I can work through whatever life throws my way. Now, chances are 99.9% .9 likely that this will not happen, but my brain was stuck in this fear until I gave it an answer. I had to stop and answer the fear and give myself. I had to create that sense of safety and security for myself. If I hadn't had taken the time to address each financial fear, I would have stayed stuck in it. I would have just created more thoughts surrounding the fear. And here's something really important about how our brain stores thoughts. Our thoughts are filed away by emotion. So I want you to picture a filing cabinet with the drawer open. You look in it and there are file folders labeled love, joy, peace, despair, sadness, anger. 
all the emotions are in there in different files. And in each of those folders is all of the thoughts that are associated with that feeling. Not just thoughts associated with a feeling and event. Every thought that you have stored that goes with that feeling. And this is really, really important. So I hope you're paying attention. This is why rumination is so easy and happens on autopilot. All it takes is one subconscious fearful thought about your child or anything else in life. And guess what? You access the fear file. That's what happened with me with going all the way back with all of those fears that I had never worked through. I had to work through them. I had to put them to rest because they were all there in the fear file folder. That's why they all came up when I felt all these other fears about breast cancer and why all these other things were so tangled in there. It's because they all had the same feeling. So all of those thoughts in the fear file were accessed. And the next thing you know, you know, you start off with a fearful thought about your child. Next thing you know, you're worrying about a blizzard in the middle of summer and you don't even know how you got to that thought. Like, why am I thinking about a blizzard in the middle of summer? It's not because you're crazy. It's because you've accessed the fear file and that's where the blizzard thought was stored. Just like with me and the examples I've been giving you. That's how our body works to maintain homeostasis. The mind and body are in constant communication to keep you in your current state of being. It doesn't care what the state of being is. Efficiency of staying the same and expending the least amount of energy is the priority. So when you go on a fear binge, it's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because your mind and body are working exactly like they're supposed to. The reaction scale reset that I taught you earlier disrupts this process. Every time you repeat the reaction scale reset, you are programming the muscle memory for it until it becomes a habit and it happens automatically and in a matter of seconds. Once you program the reaction scale reset process, the next time you find yourself in the destructive zone on either side of the reaction scale, you go through that process in a matter of seconds before you realize what happened. You'll quickly switch from the destructive zone to the constructive zone where you can respond instead of reacting. That will be your new normal. You get to start feeling proud about how you show up in your life instead of being stuck because you don't know how to change. Next week, I'm going to talk about specific negative feelings and what unmet need they are signaling to you. Then you can work through your feelings at an even deeper level. When you master your feelings, then you never have to feel stuck or powerless again. You will always know how to move out of the feeling by meeting the need it's signaling or choosing to stay in it because it feels appropriate for the situation. That is very empowering. So here's what I want you to do. Print out the reaction scale so you can study it and create awareness. Write down some of the actions you take in each zone 
so you can watch out for them and create even deeper awareness. Write down the reaction scale reset steps. Go through the reaction scale reset every time you find yourself in either one of the destruction zones on either side of the scale. Repeat this process until you've programmed your brain to respond instead of react. And then I want you to look for small wins and be proud of yourself every step of the way. We had this tendency to dismiss the small wins, but those small wins are important steps of reprogramming. So I want you to really look out for those and be proud of yourself when you see yourself making those small wins. That's all I have for you today. I'll be back next week to share more about processing emotions. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about my work, go to heatherrosscoaching.com. If you want to help other parents who are struggling with a child's addiction, you can do it two different ways. First, you can share the podcast with them directly, or you can share it on your social media. Second, you can leave a review. Talk to you next week.